America looks to Obama as its messiah. Russia turns the gas back on in Europe. Huge gas deposits are found off the coast of Israel. Israel withdraws from Gaza. Welcome to another edition of the Bible in the News. This is Jonathan Bowen joining you. This week has been another very exciting week as we have seen the Bible in the news once again. We begin with America, where elation over the inauguration of Barack Hussein Obama has swept the nation and much of the world. Over one million people assembled in Washington to witness the historic day, with the Toronto Star reporting one billion more tuning in on radios and televisions. The Star reported Canada's representative at the ceremony, Citizenship Minister Jason Kenney, as stating, There was almost disbelief when it was finally done. People were crying, hugging one another. There was an authenticity to the moment you don't always see in political life. The coverage of the event painted Obama in an almost messianic role, leading the American people to the promised land. The world is gripped by the charisma of this man, comparing him to great men like Churchill and Roosevelt. Well, these men were deemed to be great by the world because of what they did in office, not because they made it to office. We have yet to see what Obama will do. This we know, though. The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. Obama has been brought to this powerful office for a reason, that he probably doesn't see yet and may never fully know, but the hand of God will reveal it in due time. We do know that the scriptures have a role for America to play, whether America likes it or not, as John Thomas put it, they will be compelled by events soon to happen to do what under existing circumstances heaven and earth combined could not move them to do in the book Help Us Israel. We are also cautioned by the scriptures, put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, in that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is therein, which keepeth truth for ever, which executeth judgment for the oppressed, and giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners, the Lord openeth the eyes of the blind, the Lord raiseth them that are bowed down, the Lord loveth righteousness, the Lord preserveth strangers, he relieveth the fatherless and the widow." but the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even, the God, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Psalm 146, verses 3 to 10. America's hopes are pinned on Obama, but he too is a man, and not the Messiah that this earth desperately needs. We wait to see what the policies of Obama, or what policies Obama will adopt. His track record is relatively short at this point, but no single man makes up an administration in today's day and age. He has chosen as his right hand, Joseph Biden. This man does have a little history behind him. He was interviewed with his wife on the American TV show Oprah the day before the inauguration. His wife made a slip-up and the news media reported it. We were able to find the clip. No, we are not taken to watching Oprah. Joe had the choice to be Secretary of State or Vice President. And I said, Joe, no. Well, okay, he did. At this point in time, the audience was laughing because Joe Biden was trying to shush his wife for letting the cat out of the bag. Once all the laughter stopped, 
he explained. Were you worried about being number two since you had wanted to be number one? I think Brock was worried about it. I, <laughs> uh, no, because he asked me, no, no, it, it really wasn't that. I just, uh, I didn't know whether or not I could, I know it's going to sound corny, I could best serve there. I mean, uh, look, the bottom line, Barack's my friend, and um, this is a partnership. He's president of the United States, but as I said to him when he asked me, I said, Barack, don't ask me unless the reason you're asking me is you're asking me for my judgment. I get to be the last guy in the room. We make every important decision. You're president. Any decision you make, I will back. Being the last guy in the room when any important decision is made is a very influential position. He will have the president's ear. Now, as a Roman Catholic, we can be sure he will be representing Rome's point of view on the issues of the day. Biden went on to say. He asked me, he, he said, uh, I asked what, what he expected of me. He said <clears throat> he wanted to have a confidant and someone who wouldn't be a yes man. <laughs> he was pretty sure about that last about that. About that <laughs> this will no doubt guide his policies with regard to Israel. Biden's views on Israel are not hard to discover. As a United States Senator in the 1970s, he was involved in Egypt-Israeli peace treaty that came out of the Camp David Accords. These accords called for the removal of Israel from the West Bank. As we watch Obama begin to lay out his policies, Biden will also deserve some close watching. As the week has unraveled, we have been introduced to some other key players too. Hillary Clinton was sworn in as Secretary of State. In her speech Wednesday, she said, I believe with all my heart that this is a new era for America. It will not be long before we see the impact of this new era. George Mitchell was also appointed as the Middle East envoy. Mitchell is another ardent Roman Catholic who was educated at Georgetown University, the first law school established in the United States by a Jesuit institution of higher learning. Mitchell was the chairman of the Sharm el-Sheikh International Fact-Finding Committee on Violence in the Middle East during 2000 and 2001. One of the final recommendations of this committee stated that the government of Israel should freeze all settlement activity, including the natural growth of existing settlements. The report also stated that the government of Israel should give careful consideration to whether settlements are the focal point for substantial friction, are valuable bargaining chips for future negotiations or provocations likely to preclude the onset of productive talks. Mitchell negotiated the peace treaty in Northern Ireland. It will be interesting to watch what happens in the Middle East. There is also Leon Panetta, the new director-designate of the CIA, another Roman Catholic. He was educated at Santa Clara University, a Jesuit college in California. So the critical roles of vice president, Middle East envoy, and director of CIA, all prominent positions influencing foreign policy, are in the hands of Roman Catholics. The Los Angeles Times went on to report the White House was flooded with leaders' best wishes, including those of Pope Benedict XVI, who urged Obama to be the promoter of peace and cooperation between nations. A telegram from the Vatican on January the 20th stated the following. Under your leadership, may the American people continue to find in their impressive religious and political heritage the spiritual values and ethical principles needed to cooperate in the building of a truly just and free society, marked by respect for dignity, equality, and rights of each of its members, especially the poor, the outcast, and those who have no voice. No doubt the religious and spiritual values on the mind of the Pope are those of Catholicism.
The pontiff has enough highly placed disciples in Obama's administration to ensure that the blasphemous little voice of the little horn speaking great things is heard loud and clear in Washington. Our attention now moves to Russia, the Ukraine, and Europe. Since the beginning of the year, much of Eastern Europe has been without gas. During a bitter winter, this week, gas supplies were restored to Poland, Turkey, Bulgaria, Greece, and hundreds of thousands of other people. Ukraine and Russia have been in a row over gas for weeks. The BBC News reported that this was Europe's worst energy crisis in years. The article went on to state that Slovakia declared a state of emergency and rationed gas supplies to industry. Hundreds of thousands of people in countries like Bulgaria, Bosnia, Moldova were left shivering in the middle of a particularly harsh winter. The cause was not a war or a natural disaster, but a commercial dispute between two state-run companies, the Russian energy giant Gazprom and its Ukrainian counterpart Naftogaz. The crisis has highlighted the EU's vulnerability and Brussels is likely to focus strongly on diversifying its energy supplies. Quote. However, Europe is cautious not to poke the eye of the bear too much. European President Barossa had the following to say, There is some lessons that we have to draw from this situation. But he added, Russia and the Ukraine are important partners. It is in our interest to keep in keeping and developing our relations. He said it was utterly unacceptable that European gas consumers were held hostage in the dispute between Russia and the Ukraine. Well, the Bible is clear on this subject. It has been mentioned before that Ezekiel 38 verse 7 instructs Gog, Be thou prepared, and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. The word for guard here signifies to hedge about, or to guard as one guards a prisoner. The author of Elpis Israel, John Thomas, also wrote a book entitled Anatolia, Russia Triumphant, Europe Chained. The title went on. But based on the understanding that Europe would be brought under the control of Russia, Thomas probably never envisioned Europe being held hostage by a commodity like natural gas, but the principle holds true. The Economist depicted Europe as being chained by the gas pipelines from Russia. The Bible clearly paints the picture of Europe being under Russia's control. We have already seen the length that Russia will go in order to retain control in Georgia. Is Ukraine being prepared for a similar stranglehold? It just so happens that while Europe is looking for alternate supplies of natural gas, Israel has discovered large reserves off its coast. The Jerusalem Post reported a historic natural gas reservoir found offshore from Haifa is poised to meet Israel's natural gas demands for about 15 years and reduce the country's dependence on gas imports from Egypt and offshore from Gaza. Preliminary estimates indicate that the Tamar field might contain over 88 billion cubic meters of gas. Haaretz reported Delac Group's initial estimate of the value of the gas is 15.5 billion, based on the projected amount of 88 billion cubic meters. That's three times the size of the field that the Tathsea Group, which also includes Derelic, found off the Ascalon coast. The full extent of the find is yet to be discovered, but it could certainly alter the economic situation in the Middle East. 
Ezekiel 38 talks of an Israel which presents to Gog a spoil and a prey, a people who have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. The merchants of Tarshish complain of an invasion to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil, verse 13. Will the gas fine provide an economic boost for Israel's economy to meet the description given? We wait to see. Meanwhile, in the Gaza Strip, Israel has withdrawn this week. Hamas has been issued a temporary crushing blow. However, many nations are rushing to rebuild the Gaza Strip, and leading by example is the Vatican. The Catholic News Agency reported... The Apostolic Nuncio to Israel and Cyprus and the Apostolic Delegate to Jerusalem... Archbishop Antonio Franco visited the Gaza Strip this week to personally deliver the donation Pope Benedict XVI has made to the Catholic community there and to express the pontiff's spiritual closeness. In statements to the SIR news agency, the nuncio urged every effort to be made to achieve a lasting peace. The people are tired of this situation and of the uncertainty of tomorrow, and they want peace, he said. Likewise, the nuncio said he hopes the political efforts to achieve peace will focus on relieving the sufferings of the people instead of on power struggles. Many nations will become drunk with the humanistic wine of Rome and join in the push to provide humanitarian aid, which will be quickly translated into support for Hamas and Fatah, the terrorist groups in control of the Palestinian people in the West Bank and Gaza. Let us ensure we do not become drunken with this papal wine. There is a great push to crush Israel's settlements in the West Bank. This week's Economist contained an article entitled Peace Now, which stated, Mr. Obama needs to make it clear, preferably before Israel's election next month, that America will no longer countenance Israel's colonization of the West Bank. The Jewish settlements there should have never been built, and Israel has promised to freeze them. This has become a test. If Mr. Obama cannot hold Israel to its promise, his chance of restoring America's standing as an indispensable mediator in the conflict are nil. This is consistent with Jimmy Carter's Camp David Accords and almost all peace initiatives pushed on Israel since 1967. Carter wrote in his nauseating book, Palestine Peace, Not Apartheid, Compromise is necessary for both sides, with clear distinction made between what their dreams and ideology dictate and what is pragmatically possible. Although some extremists disagree, most Israelis have learned they cannot reconstruct the Kingdom of David, which includes the West Bank, Golan Heights, and parts of Lebanon and Jordan, pages 15 and 16. Well, we have news for President Carter, President Obama, and anybody else who desires to put an end to the restoration of the Kingdom of David, which God is undertaking in the land. Not only will God bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, Joel 3 verse 1, and plant them upon the mountains of Israel, which have always been waste, Ezekiel 38 verse 8, but when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, he shall send Jesus Christ, the one whose right it is, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of the restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of his holy prophet since the world began. Acts 3 verses 19 to 21. 
At this point in time the world will be brought into supplication, and he shall be given a dominion, a glory, and a kingdom, that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Daniel 7 verse 14. As for all the nations who unite against Israel, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 11 verse 15. Tune in next week when, God willing, Paul Billington will bring exciting coverage direct from the Middle East, from the areas that will be part of the kingdom of David that will be restored on www.bibleinthenews.com.